I always come to people from a perspective of I'm equal. I'm never a guru or someone who's above them. I'm just like them. I'm just a human. I'm not perfect. I have my flaws, as we all have. We all do have our strengths and weaknesses. And my goal is to hold the space for students. My conversation with Paulina Pabello, a yoga teacher from Poland, was so lovely as we circled around beautiful elements and aspects of yoga, peace, balance, and being one with yourself. I hope that this conversation brought you a desire to add more lightness and play into your practice, and maybe even wonder about how you can add more childlike qualities to your time on the mat. If you're looking to tune into a podcast episode that's all about yoga in Poland, then this is the conversation for you. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Wild Yoga Tribe podcast. I'm your host, Lily Allen Duenas. Together, we'll talk about the world of yoga and we'll talk to people from around the world. Before diving into the episode, I wanted to invite you to head on over to my Patreon account. I would love your support and I'm thrilled to have this beautiful community space where we can do yoga together, meditate together, and you'll get access to exclusive content. Get ready for some private Zoom Q&As, free printable art, meditation recordings, and more. Follow the link in the show notes to get started or head on over to any of my social media channels or my website, wildyogatribe.com to hang out, get to know each other better and find out more about all the support and resources available to you. Ready to dive in? Let's get started. Namaste family and welcome back to the Wild Yoga Tribe podcast. Today, I'm so excited to be joined by Paulina Padbello. She's a yoga teacher from Poland, and she is on a mission to help others lead fulfilling lives through natural practices. She holds a 200-hour yoga teacher training certification from the Bhakti Center in New York City, and she's constantly working towards expanding her knowledge, skills, and expertise. She's been teaching yoga for six years and teaches vinyasa, restorative, and yoga for the spine. So thank you so much, Paulina, for being on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor to be here with you. Thank you. So just to get started, the first question, just about how yoga came into your life and how yeah, just you became a yoga teacher or how yoga showed up for you. So it's a very interesting story because I discovered yoga many years ago, but I was living in New York City at that time. I lived there for almost 13 years. I don't think I was ready for yoga because I was too energized and I had too much like energy to go and move as typical New Yorker would have. And yoga was too slow. I couldn't relax. I couldn't do anything. It was just too slow. And in 2016, I decided to do a yoga teacher training at the Bhakti Center. 
And the whole journey that lasted eight months, because it was like an extended version, made me realize that yoga is more than just being still or doing poses. It was the whole story about the yoga and the philosophy and the practice itself. And that changed my life entirely. Oh, amazing. Uh, yoga does, and the certification, right? It does change your entire life. Like it's yes. such an intensive program and it feels like maybe the door of yoga, the gate had been opened. But then when you go to that certification program, it's like all of the doors and all of the windows and all of the gates and the whole house are now wide open. <laughs> yes. And it's amazing. And what I really loved about my teacher training was the community aspect. Because I met wonderful women and just the fact that we were on a mission together and practicing together and eating together and doing different things for this big cause or a higher purpose was very fulfilling because sometimes New York can be very lonely and you have so many people by the end of the day are by yourself. And if you don't have your own family, you feel like you are missing something. And yoga brought me back to that sense of belonging and the community. Yeah, beautifully said. The yoga community is such a powerful community, mm -hmm. like-minded energy and people. But I say in the sense of being open-minded. Yes. I know every yoga practitioner and teacher and in the world of yoga is very different and we're not all alike, but just knowing that common thread of openness and curiosity, I think that draws through every student and teacher out there. Yes. And just knowing that you can learn something that can help you heal. It's so powerful because at the end of the day, you can heal yourself. And once you know the tools and you know the technique, you can really have that power that is inside you, like you're waiting to be unleashed and step into your power. Yes, yes. And something arose in me when you were saying that about how also a bit, the more that you practice yoga, the more that you know about yoga and learn about yoga, also you might feel like the farther away you are from progress, right? Like, mm -hmm. oh, I'm doing so great. No, I've got this. And then you learn more and you're like, oh no, actually, <laughs> I feel like I'm 20 steps farther away than I thought I was two years ago. Yes. So I just wanted to draw a light and shine a light on the fact that it's okay if you feel really far away from where you want to be or where you thought you were. It's, it is just part of that process. I think the more you know, the more you realize you don't know. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense? That is so true. And I think also just the fact that we're aging and our body is not that flexible with age. And probably when you're beginning and you are younger, you can do poses with ease. And then when you get older and you practice more, sometimes it takes longer to do things that you used to do. And it requires more effort. And it feels, oh my gosh, I spend all this energy and effort and I'm going backwards and I'm not doing handstand or shoulder stand anymore. And that's okay because... Yoga is not about the pose. It's about the whole practice. Yes, it is. It's about 
I think the most advanced thing that you can do in any class and in any yoga room and any practice is listen to your own body. Yes. Because if someone is an advanced practitioner, they've been practicing yoga for 10 years and they can do every asana, right? And then they get in a car crash and their mobility is decreased permanently or not permanently. Are they not advanced all of a sudden? Absolutely not. They didn't lose all of that. And in the same vein, as you were mentioning, um, with yoga asana, as we age, our bodies get less flexible. But also, I think when we think about stress levels, we have all these practices and tools, and we're teaching people how to relieve stress, be in the present moment, ground down these principles of yoga. But we don't practice those, and we get lost in a flurry of stress, and like we just can't de-stress for that. And then we might beat ourselves up in our mind, be so negative, like, oh, man, I'm the teacher. I'm so hypocritical. And I just want to encourage compassion that we're yoga teachers because we need yoga. <laughs> we usually are drawn to the practice because we need the practice. And we're also human. Things ebb and flow. Thank you for saying that. Yes. And I feel that a lot of teachers... They think that they have to be better in order to teach, which is true. They have to be better, but they don't have to be better in, in better in terms of physically, like doing a split or anything that's very advanced. They can do basic poses and just the mindset and the experience and the compassion and kindness that they hold for towards themselves, it can be captivating and can teach others how to do the same. Yeah. And speaking of teaching and teaching styles, I wanted to ask you about the spirit of childlike energy and play that you bring into your teaching methods. I know that's something it's a big part of your teaching style. And so I was wondering if you could speak about that and also about what benefits you believe that brings to your classes and your students. Yes. So the childlike energy and this energy of playfulness, for me, it's really important because I like to have fun in life because I feel life is already too serious. And when students come to me, I invite them to follow that curiosity. How is their body today? How do they feel today? And how can they allow themselves to be free in the body in the present moment. So when they come, it's not about having the right asana or making it perfect. It's about just going with the flow and just following the breath, following the rhythm, tuning into the body, looking what the body needs today, and just be free in that movement without judgment or assessment or you're not criticizing yourself in that moment you're allowing this moment to be like the child right open and curious and always looking for playful type of engagement or having fun yeah i think when you can lighten the kind of energy in a room from being like so serious and intense and that can get very ego driven sometimes the asana practice. So to have that sense of joy, lightness, brightness, playfulness, I think is a beautiful energy to bring to a room. I just feel that when we are children, we're younger, we have more opportunities to be more playful because we have hopefully good parents that are facilitating that for us. When we get older, we don't have that many opportunities. 
And that's why yoga is allowing us to bring us back to that childlike energy, to that place when we were free, when we were spontaneous, when we were curious about life. Yeah, curiosity, that is everything. And Paulina, I know that you build strong connections with your students. That's a hallmark of your teaching style. So could you elaborate on how you foster that sense of trust and create that supportive environment? Yes, I always come to people from a perspective of I'm equal. I'm never a guru or someone who's above them. I'm just like them. I'm just a human. I'm not perfect. I have my flaws, as we all have. We all do have our strengths and weaknesses. And my goal is to hold the space for students. So when I hold the space, I bring that, I'm like bringing myself closer and I'm with them during that change that they're going through. I facilitate that change. I hold the space for them so they can really see themselves because I'm their mirror. Yeah, being the mirror, that is a powerful thing to do for people. Whether it's for your partner, for a parent, for your students, I do think when you can hold space for people to express like authentically, and usually I think in a yoga room, things come out, emotions come out. It's not just a place of, oh, that felt nice, bye. It's usually, it can be more emotional. A lot of things arise in there. That's correct. And especially when you do certain poses, like for example, I love pigeon. And pigeon, uh, is because we work with hips and hips will store a lot of emotions. And a lot of times I see how the energy is changing in the room, how my students' faces are changing. And I always say that I'm going to start taking pictures and show them if they don't trust me, but they do trust me because they feel it. And just for the social proof, I should probably take pictures to really amplify that change. And holding space in that moment when they're going through that change in the middle of the class, it's very crucial. That's why it's really important for me to be there and not to leave them hanging and to finish the process. So in the beginning, we start light. In the middle, the transformation happens. And in the end, when we have Shavasana, that's the integration process. We're integrating the new parts of them are coming together. And, and they separated themselves in the middle. So at the end, they can come back to themselves and they can finish the class strong as being one and being balanced. I really liked hearing how you have these three separate stages of lightness in the beginning, transformation in the middle, and shavasana, so the integration at the end. I thought that was really lovely. And I would love to hear, Paulina, are you crafting that? And it sounds like with a lot of intentionality of these three steps, are you infusing it more with your themes, with your cues, or with your sequences, or all three? Let's hear more. So actually all three. So the first one is very often when people come to the class, my students, they are scattered. And so I have to ground them and I start with the meditation. I ground them and I make them aware that this is the time for them. For one hour, they have to commit to themselves. 
So we start with gentle stretches. So the middle is when we are working with the motions, we're opening the hips, we're working with different feelings. That's when the transformation happens. And that's the, that's the part of the class that the biggest change, the biggest shift is taking place. And the final part, which is Shavasana, is the integration part. And I use my voice to put them into kind of like a you know, relaxation mode or using my voice to use in a way as I would study hypnotherapy. So very calming, relaxing and soothing. So they are in the space of being very suggestible into my cues of following the rhythm of my voice and at the same time relaxing deeper and deeper. And I also play some Koshi bells to help them focus on the sound and my voice as an addition to that. And that's the part when I put all the pieces together so they can feel that they can finish the class with that sense of integrity. Beautiful. Yeah. And I think studying hypnotherapy is really interesting. I don't think any other yoga teacher has mentioned that yet. Is that Mm -hmm. something that you got into years and years ago or recently? And what drew you to it? I actually study hypnotherapy. I think I finished my course a few years ago, like three or four years ago. I always loved hypnotherapy because I was going deeper into different phases of our brain, right? We have different brain waves like alpha, theta, theta, and all that jazz, right? And for me, using hypnotherapy, it's great. But if I can combine it with the physical aspect, which is yoga, it creates a massive change and it brings the best results for my students because there sometimes might be there might be resistance to just hypnotherapy. People might not fully relax and they're not able to it's really hard for them to go deeper into this relaxation, the state of completely like surrendering. And when they do yoga, when they move their body and they have a little bit of a workout and they get tired, it's easier for them because their body is more, I would say, tired and it's easier to fall into that space to relax. Ooh, very interesting. Yeah, I've never tried to be hypnotized. I've never had experience with it before, but I did take a yoga nidra certification course in India. And it has some of the components of like very set sequences to drop people into that unconscious layer. So I think it's amazing. And I know too, Paulina, that we're speaking about this kind of state of peace. And I know that inner peace and balance are these really sought after states of being. And in your teachings, I was wondering how you guide people towards finding their inner peace and balance amidst all of those challenges and demands in their everyday life, which I know that you've alluded to, kind of how busy New York City is. But now that you're back in Poland to back home, I wasn't sure if you wanted to speak about these tools or techniques besides hypnotherapy that you're incorporating to support your students and yourself in this journey. Yes. So I'm back home and I'm in Poland. I'm in a completely different environment, definitely more peaceful. I have a house with beautiful greenery, like the garden trees. And it's easier when you have an environment like that to 
get centered because you can always go outside, no shoes, and just walk around on the grass, connecting to Mother Earth. That's ideal. However, a lot of people, especially I work with different people, not only physically here teaching in Poland at my friend's yoga school, but also I'm having a lot of sessions online with people from all over the world. And I give them different tips and tools to use daily. So when they have a class with me or a session with me, they can have like a power meeting or power session during this one hour. But it's really important to have something to do in between because I can create miracle and magic, but I'm not God or I'm not a guru to make it that's going to last. I want people to have a good rituals or routines to support themselves daily. The routine can keep you grounded because you know what to expect and you feel safe. Yeah, your body knows what to expect even. Like having a good wake-up time and a good bedtime, just having control of when you fall asleep and when you wake up, ideally, or what you're having for breakfast. Just, I think, eliminating all of those random variables can give our our actual organs inside of our body some sense of that safety and peace as well. That's correct. Yeah. So Paulina, I do love to ask every yoga teacher who's a guest on this show, what is your personal definition of yoga? I know that we have the sutras, we we do have definitions to pull on, but what's your definition? It's the moment when you're one. I know yoga is union, but it's the moment when you're one, when you're so present, you're so in the moment that you're not occupied with the past or the future. And you're just here and now. And I know it's hard to do it all the time. That's why we're constantly practicing it. Because we have a tendency to be either in the past or in the future, worrying and stressed. So for me, being one with myself, being one with the mat, being one with the practice and the breath. Beautiful. Yeah, one. Because the root word of yoga is use to unite. So It's a beautiful definition of one with yourself, your breath, your mat. I love that. And so I would love to hear too about yoga in Poland. Has it been really popular for the last two years, 10 years, 50 years? And where do you see it going, not just in the past, but also where do you see it going in the future? So Poland is a little bit different than America. We are not that open and we're coming from Catholic background. So yoga was perceived for many years as something that was evil and something that was not really approved by a church because it was something that was against the church and it was not approved by society for a long time. And it was not that popular. There were people who were doing it, but it was not that popular. Nevertheless, it's changed. And we have more and more yoga schools, more and more teachers. The wellness communities and the wellness industry is really like growing. And I remember when I was moving back from New York, my friend said to me, 
Paulina, you're so lucky to go back to Poland. You are their future. Because in New York and in America, everything is like next level. People are in very different spaces and more advanced in terms of teachings and programs and schools. And in Poland, it's still growing. So there's a huge opportunity for wellness, I would say in the wellness space, like yoga teachers, practitioners, people in alternative methods. There is a huge demand because people are hungry for that. So I see an amazing potential and there is a huge opportunity to grow as a practitioner or as a teacher because we were deprived and we didn't have an opportunity to have those things years ago. And now we're more open and we're searching. A lot of people are searching for different things. And here in Poland, yoga, it's a luxury. It's still perceived as something that's high-end. It's not for everyone. Unlike when you go to India, it's part of the culture and it's completely different. There's a completely different approach. Here, it's more of a luxury. It's a lifestyle that people are really, I would say, craving or they're slowly waking up. They're opening up to embark on that journey to grow and develop in that realm. Amazing. I'm glad that more people are yearning for it. And I do think and I hope that perspective as yoga as a luxury will shift because I think that when there's that kind of gatekeeping feeling of yoga, when there's a barrier to practice or when, Oh no, yoga is not for me. People who practice yoga don't look like me or they don't live in my neighborhood. That's so sad. I know, but I remember it was the same in New York. I used to live in Manhattan. So that's for a long time. That's how it was perceived. Yoga was pretty much designed for white women who are skinny. Unfortunately, social media doesn't help. I know, but it's slowly changing. There's a lot of organizations that are promoting yoga, so it's more mainstream. But I think in Poland, we're back in terms of New York is our future, right? How everything is changing, we can see looking at America. And for us, it's going to take probably a few years because now the time goes so fast that it's not going to be 10, 20 years. It might be three or five. And hopefully it's going to get more popular and easier for everyone to practice, no matter if they have a lot of money or they are not having money and they can do only donation-based classes. I'm hoping that this is going to happen in our country. Wonderful. I hope so too. So speaking about Poland, I would love for you to talk more about Poland in general. I know some of our listeners maybe have been there, maybe want to go there, but I think just a little bit of a history lesson or talking about what Poland's known for or geography even. We're all ears for whatever you'd like to share. Oh, thank you. Poland, we have an amazing land in terms of the greenery. We have beautiful lakes, we have sea, we have mountains, and we're very hospitable, and we really have big hearts. And I remember my friend from UK came once, and he said to me, Poland is in the center, it's like in the middle of Europe. That means you, you are the heart of Europe. And we have big hearts. We're very big in terms of really inviting people, having people from all over the world in ways of 
as friends to stay and visit. It's a different story when it comes to working here and starting a life here because that's more complex and complicated. But in terms of visiting and just coming to spend some time, our country is very, it's beautiful. We have good food in terms of, if you like carbs, <laughs> it's not Ayurveda style or anything that's probably like lean cuisine. But if you like carbs, we have pierogies that are very famous all around the world. And we're also famous for vodka. It was created in our country. And we have a lot of very intelligent people because the reason I'm saying that is we have kind of like a Silicon Valley. So a lot of people from IT field are actually from Poland. We're proud of, we're proud that we have so many IT people and people who are in tech and the tech sector is growing. And yeah, and I feel that what we love to, you know, what I want to say in terms of as a Polish citizen, we love to host people. We love to invite people to our country to come explore the country, go have a good food. And uh, so we have a lot to share and we have 38 million people. The size of our country, it's just right to accommodate foreigners. We don't have too many people and we're not that congested and yeah so we're inviting people to come into our country to really enjoy the space and the land the nature and the food that was so well said i loved paulina how much you kind of shed light on different elements of poland that i had no idea about like the silicon valley in poland no clue that you had your own like kind of tech hub there and also about all the carbs. I know always talking about food is fun. So for our listeners who maybe have a question for you or they're planning a trip to Poland or would like to yeah, get to know you more, I will link your website and your Instagram account in the show notes, as well as on my website, wildyogatribe.com slash yoga in Poland. But here on the podcast itself, would you like to say your website and your Instagram account? Yes. So my website is yogiofnyc.com and my Instagram handle is also yogiofnyc. However, I prefer my personal, which is uh, Yelaya and that's Y-E-L-A-Y-A, Yelaya. Beautiful. Thank you. So Paulina, it has been such a joy to be with you today. I've loved our time together. It has gone too fast, but I wanted just to extend that big thank you to you for being here. Thank you so much for having me and thank you for listening to our episode. Thank you for the gift of your attention today. If you feel called, please share this episode with someone who you think could benefit from it. Leaving a review would also be so appreciated. I also hope you can join me online on my website, wildyogatribe.com, or on social media. I would love to get to know you better. I would love to share with you and to hear your thoughts. Send me a DM, send me a note, get in touch. It would be great to hear from you. And as always, be well, dear one, be well. Thank you.